Hallelujah. I love that song. But it says 10,000 years. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. I never see to people to uh, be blessed. I never cease to be blessed with that song. Uh, at one point it says, when we're, when we're, we're weaker, <laughs> uh, when we come to near to the end of our life, we weaken. But I don't want to weaken. I want to go as I am. I don't know about you. I want to be like Moses. And I want to be like... <laughs> I want to be like even Aaron. See, Aaron wasn't a good boy. He made lots of mistakes, didn't he? <laughs> but I want to be like Aaron. He, God took him up the mountain and undressed him and took off his robes, and he died. That's, that's what happened. Hallelujah, you read the Bible, that's what it says. They, they took off his robes, and he died. Hallelujah. We, we, if we take off our, our priestly garments... We're dead. Hallelujah. I want to go just like that. Hallelujah. Like that, that comedian used to say, just like that. <laughs> I shall be gone. You know, we sing the song, don't we? Amen. Now, one thing about this church is it's authentic. It's authentic. And it's a good thing to be authentic. Hallelujah. We know our God. We know what he's like. We learn every day more of his love and the power of God in our lives. And that's all we need is to be authentic to what God has shown us. Stick with that. You see, so many of us try try to be something we're not. Um, You know, David, you know David, King David. He always blesses me. He he called Goliath what he was. He said, "My God will kill you. I chop your head off and uh, give it to the whatever he was." This is David was saying in his spirit. So they say that that whole place around him said, "Well, let's get this man kitted out." put all his stuff on, Saul's armour, and uh, send him against this man. You see? They were thinking of the might of a man against the might of a man. But David, very wise for a young shepherd, said, I can't go with Saul's armour. I can't go with Saul's sword. I've not tried it. So he was authentic to who he was. He picked up six stones out of the river. They say the reason he picked up all the extra stones was for the rest of the giants after he finished with Goliath. Hallelujah. So get a vision of what's possible. This is the first, first test of your authenticity. You just put them in your bag, your stones. I, know, I remember I used to have a catapult when I was a kid. <laughs> Used to have rubber on mine. David just, <laughs> but mine was, <laughs> and I, I didn't used to hit a great deal. <laughs> I can tell you that the bird sit on the branch, and I would, I take a shot at it. And never, I've never hit anything. 
<laughs> it's pretty hard because it, it seems to be a random process. <laughs> I would say that you were, if you're going up against Goliath, you're better off with a sword that you've never used before than you were with a stone in a sling. But David knew his God. He was authentic. He was authentic. He did what he had experienced. You see, God doesn't expect you to do more than he enables you to do. Um, I was thinking today about theology. You might say that sounds a strange thing. So I'll read you what theology is. It's the study of God. That's what theology is. It's a rational analysis of faith. It's a rigid ideology. That's what it says in the the dictionary. And we think theology is cut and dried. Well, I want to tell you this. Um, Many years ago, when I first was called to do what I do today... I was getting a lot of stick from, from people outside the fellowship, the Glory Fellowship, about what we believed, what we stood for. We didn't have what the church normally has was a statement of faith. Uh, we didn't have one. And I got a lot of stick about, well, we were, we were airy-fairy, what we believed. It was a sort of, it was sort of a, a thing that people weren't sure about. People came along to our meetings from all different places at the time. They were coming from all over the country. They were, we were all gathering together. We, uh, we got into a meeting and the power of God moved and we came out of the meeting, sometimes drunk, sometimes incapable of what, anything. And we went, all went back to our places, different places, And constantly, we didn't have a discussion of what we all believed and the rest of it. So, at this time, it got so bad that I had to write down on a piece of paper what we stood for. And there's two pages of it here. I I looked in the archive this morning just to remind myself what we did, what we stood for. And I used to say to them, now, we're not going to be wishy-washy. There was a person called Wishy Washy in our, in our group. <laughs> they believed anything. Um, so I, I set these things, these tenets in place, and I circulated it to everybody as to what we believed. Now, and it's never become a corporate document that we all have to uh, sign up to. <laughs> it was just my personal experience with God at that time. Now, when I read it, it seems to be very incomplete for what God has shown me in the past 30 years since I wrote that. So wonderful. God writes things in your heart. Hallelujah. Day by day, something new happens to me which revises my previous thoughts. It's called refinement. God's spirit refines us. You see? But we have to have a basis of our structure with God. And it's this. 
the chorus I love singing, you hear you sing it time again. To know you, to know you, the joy of my heart. Jesus revealed him to me. To hear what he's saying is life to my bones. To know him, to know him, I pray. And you know, we know him through all sorts of experiences in life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know God. You see, some people say something to me. I say, that's not God. That might be a lot, very judgmental, mightn't it? But I have a profile of God, which is not perfect and it's not complete. But I know him. I know his voice. I know his love. You see, the major profile of God is his love for his church and for his people. Hallelujah. There's a hardness in religion. Religion is hard. It's hard-nosed. It's what it said, said there about theology, a rigid ideology. Hallelujah. I might have started off that way because I started off without knowing the Holy Spirit. But I knew the Holy Spirit when he came into my life because I knew, I knew the profile of God. He was the God that saved me. I knew what he, he loved me. I knew what I was like. We all know what we were like before Jesus came into our lives. He changed me. And he changed me to be like him. Now you might see a lot of the old Alan still left. He shows up every now and again. <laughs> he does. That's why I, if you ask me something, I usually, I've learnt by the Spirit to just give it a few seconds before you answer. Because <laughs> Alan can answer, and God can answer. You see? That's the wonderful thing. We all have this ability in us, inside us, to say, I was telling them at the Bible study the other day, uh, something came to me the other week, I think somebody, I think it might be Joyce Meyer or somebody said it, you can always ask the Holy Spirit for help. And I thought to myself, how often do I ask the Holy Spirit to help me? It's a question. How often do you ask the Holy Spirit to help you? Because you get all sorts of things thrown at you. Don't you? He's willing to help us with anything. Amen. He'll help you with anything. You see, the problem comes in the front door and we try to, to deal with it. We try to fight it off to start with, and then, but it, then it comes, comes to be more of a problem. Because we haven't dealt with the problem, we try to push it away. We do it in all sorts of ways. But when we say, Holy Spirit, I've got this problem. Can you help? First thing that happens, you get a peace in your soul. You get a peace in your soul. You've got somebody, he's called the helper, isn't he? The paraclete. He's the one that comes alongside to help. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we're proud people, 
we like to do it ourselves because that's part of our identity. But it's not about identity. It's about the power of God moving in your life and mine. I challenge you this week, wherever you are, to say, help me, Holy Spirit. It's not, it doesn't solve the problem there and then. Hallelujah. Most significant problems in our life, we have to walk through. And when we have the Holy Spirit and we ask the Holy Spirit, he walks with us. Hallelujah. We need him. We need him. He is our helper. So often we go off and we go off track. We even fall out with God, don't we? We say, well, you didn't do anything, God. We can be like that. But we have to let him take control. So, John 17, verse 3. And it says, And this is life eternal. Life eternal. Do you want eternal life? That they might know thee. The only true God. That's God the Father. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You see, this is the chapter where Jesus is saying, glorify them with the glory that I had when I was with my Father in heaven. Hallelujah. This is what he's talking about here, really. That we might get to know God through the power of his Holy Spirit upon us. Hallelujah. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Hallelujah. See, we do it through Jesus. You know, I, that's the way I came to know God. I came to know God through Jesus. Okay, we read the scriptures and... You know, so many times we see what Jesus did, and yet we're not, we're not aware that uh, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Be like Jesus, the woman caught in adultery. He didn't rush into anything. He scrabbled on the floor, and they were waiting and waiting for his answer. He said, let those without sin cast the first stone. Hallelujah. He didn't say, you lot of sinners, <laughs> get out of here. Leave this woman alone. <laughs> he went to the heart. And that's the wonderful thing. Jesus goes to your heart to deal with things. He goes to your heart. Hallelujah. This is real. This is real. It's real life. Real life. To know Jesus. To know what it's like. He cares for the... The, the sinner, he cares for the one who's fallen short. He loves ever, with an everlasting love. Do you know your love with an everlasting love? It's not going to change. God is not going to change his, his relationship with you. I, I don't advise you to go out there and do things that are against God's will. But he doesn't cut you off from him if you do. He cuts yourself it cuts you away from the blessing. But not away from God. Hallelujah. He said, I shall never leave you, 
nor forsake you. Nobody can pluck you out of my hand. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3 and 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be grounded and rooted in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. You see, we have to be rooted and grounded in love. The root of our salvation is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But it starts with God so loved. Hallelujah. That's the God I know. Hallelujah. I'm glad it... You know that verse, as a very young, born-again Christian, week or so old, that gave me life. I knew that God so loved me. Praise the Lord. 1 John 4. How often I go there. It says, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Hallelujah. We need to know God's heart. When I come to know people particularly in the church, God shows me their heart. The heart is the most important thing about a person. See, have you, I, I, I see it in all sorts of ways. I see people who have a heart for souls. A heart for souls. They don't just want to be born again Christians. They, ju- they don't just want to... Uh, enjoy the the fruits of being a Christian, they have a heart that other people might know what Jesus is all about. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, I have a heart for souls and I see that in people, you can see it. And, you know, immediately I see see that in somebody, we are joined at the hip because we're all shooting from the same thing. It's, a, it's an important thing that we get a heart that's like God's heart. And you've got to understand what God's heart is. You know, Jesus quoted, he said, how many times would I have, he talked about, about the hen with the chicks, how many times, oh Jerusalem, would I have tried to take you under my wings, but you would not. See, that was the heart of Jesus. He came for the Jewish nation. 
He was promised to the Jewish nation as the Messiah. But they didn't receive him. But it didn't make any difference. His heart was still for them. Their hearts were far away, but he still, he still showed his love to the common people. You know. And I see that love in, in human beings. A love that wants to see people come to know Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the most important sort of love to have. That's God's love. Hallelujah. We have to think like God. Do you know what God's thinking? Do you know what God's thinking? I think we do. We just don't acknowledge it. God reveals things to us. He reveals himself to us. You say, well, I don't know what God's thinking. Well, look at the Bible. You'll see what he's thinking. His heart is open to all around him. He's thinking of you. (laughs) That's what God's thinking. He's thinking of you. He's thinking of me. He thinks about you. Because he loves you. Hallelujah. When you've got kids, as I have, you think about them. You see the trauma, trauma and, the, and the things that happen to them. You think about them. And you as a father of children will know what it's like to think about them. You love them. You want good for them. Hallelujah. God's thinking about you, thinking good things about you. He's not thinking bad things about you. The devil will try and tell you that God doesn't think good about you. He he sees all your... God looks at you and he looks at all the good things in you. He doesn't look at all the bad things. He, He looks to make you more like Jesus. That's what he's thinking. I want to make you more like Jesus. He thinks that about you. You say, me? Me? Poor old me? You know, when I was in the Baptist, uh, in the Brethren Church, I used to, we used to say, us poor dust. Us poor dust. But God doesn't see us as us poor dust. He sees, he sees us with joy in his heart. Hallelujah. He's joy. God is happy about you. He's thinking happy things about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, how do I know this? I know what he thinks, because I've seen it. It's in the Bible, what he thinks. God thinks about you. (laughs) There's only one way we can know God. The Bible says, if you've seen me, that was Jesus, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. See, we we don't see anything without seeing Jesus first. Because Jesus came to earth and he took on a human form in order that we might see what God was like. Hallelujah. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. And you will see the Father. Hallelujah. You'll see the Father's heart. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus was always thinking about everybody, everywhere he went. 
blind Zacchaeus, was it? Sitting by the roadside, said, Who's, what's happening? What's happening? All this crowd, what's happening? They said, Jesus is going by. He threw off his robes and he stood up and he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus stopped the crowd for that one man. Do you think Jesus knew he was there before he called out? I'm sure he did. Hallelujah. I'm sure he did. God had revealed it to him. Hallelujah. Jesus stopped and dealt with him. The disciples didn't like it. They thought it's a distraction. But Jesus doesn't think you're a distraction. He's listening to your heart's cry. Hallelujah for him. This morning. Hallelujah. Get to know him more. Interact with him more. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. You see, my theology is based on knowing Jesus. Hallelujah. I could have gone to Bible school, but I probably couldn't because I was working hard as for Ford Motor Company at the time. But I'm glad I didn't. I went to the school of hard knocks. What I know about Jesus, I've experienced. Hallelujah. And nobody can take away your experience with God. Hallelujah. Nobody can distort that either by some doctrine or some, some word we've taken out of context in this book. Hallelujah. You, if you find something that, you don't, that comes against you and what you, your concept of Jesus and God, read the text closely. I've been to meetings where they'll take two verses out of a scripture which was talking about the present, the present relationship that we have with God and then they've switched to another place in the Bible which is a future prophecy of what's going to happen rather than reading the next verse after the two verses which said, God has already done this. Hallelujah. He's already revealed himself in Jesus. We haven't got to look for another that's coming. We haven't got to look to the future. It's here and now. Hallelujah. But that's what happens when you go to theological college. It becomes something of the mind. But the the scripture teaches us that we should have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. What was Christ's mind like? Get to know the mind of Christ. Search it out. See what God's mind is. is. Hallelujah. His mind is not like our minds. His mind is infinite. Hallelujah. He can see the future. But he wants to deal with the present now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's now. Now is the day of salvation. Now, it's now. Everything God has is for now. He's not promised anything for tomorrow. Hallelujah. Other than the sort of things like he's coming back soon and and other those sorts of things, but he hasn't promised you personally something for tomorrow. It's all for today. And it's all tomorrow 
it will be for that day. The day after it will be for that day. We can't predict or know what's going to happen in our lives. I don't know. I could, could, next Sunday I could be in glory, for all I know. But I know where I'm going, because I know the God that I serve and I love. Hallelujah. Do you know this morning where you're going? Something could happen this week. You could fall off a, off a highest place. You could do all sorts of things. You could be run over by a car. I'm not putting fear into you, brother and sister. It could happen. It could happen. The, these things happen. Hallelujah. We're not immune from them. God. It says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Because if it was that something bad happened to us tomorrow, if it was God's will that that happened, it would mean that he was partial. But he doesn't, he's not partial. He protects us. I've been protected so many times. Hallelujah. But don't think you can play fast and loose with God. Particularly if you don't know him as your personal saviour. Because time is limited. Hallelujah. So my, the theme of what I'm saying is get to know God. Whether it's an experience that you, you're entering into or whether you've been going, like me, 63 years with God, I'm still on the same learning curve that I was when I started. None of us has achieved the ultimate yet but I'm on my way and even when I probably go to glory I probably won't have achieved it but in an instant I shall be like Jesus that's it be like Jesus that's the wonderful thing isn't it when we get when we get to the end of our life on this earth we shall be like Jesus I don't comprehend how it will be but we'll be like Jesus. We'll be, I think we'll be in him. I don't think we'll be in a crowd standing far away. I think we'll be in him. Hallelujah. Can't comprehend it. Hallelujah. But we shall be in him. That's, that's, that's what he wants for each one of us. So, Father, I just pray now for anybody who doesn't know Jesus in a real way that you'll reveal yourself to them. That you'll bring them to a point in their lives where they come to know you as their own personal saviour. They ask you, Lord, please come into my heart and take control of my life. I want to be your, your representative on this earth. Help me to to accept you into my life. Father, I ask you to just speak to hearts and lives in here this morning. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Um, what comes to me is um, there's a scripture in, uh, in the Old Testament, I think it's in Kings, um, where it says God wasn't in the whirlwind, he wasn't in the storm, he wasn't in... 
um, these big earthly things. But he was in the still small voice. And sometimes it's the smallest voice God speaks in that way. It's quite amazing. But it's in the little things we find the greatest power and source for our life. It's, the world does things in an unusual way. It thinks with all its power and might and with all its effort, it tries to achieve great things. But God does, uses the tiniest, smallest things to have the greatest influence and the greatest effect. I remember throughout my Christian life, I've, um, I've experienced that still small voice on several occasions. And I've heard that whisper. I've heard that whisper of God. And it's been something that's so solid in my life. It's been so secure and so strong, even though it was so small and still. It was actually something I could build on, I could bank on. And that's the wonderful thing about God. When you stand upon him, there's nothing that can shake your life. You know that you know that you know that you know that the voice of God has spoken into your heart and into your life. And that's the most precious thing. You may have all the things going on in the way the world sees and the way the world presents itself. But there's nothing like knowing the voice of Jesus. And you can hear the voice of Jesus. You just need to have a willing heart. And if you've got a willing heart, God will speak into your heart. And he will show you something very precious, like Alan was talking about, the precious thoughts of God. People, many people have got the wrong concept of God. I think God is very harsh and very hard, but he's not very hard. He's not harsh. He's a very loving father. I was speaking to Tony the other day about the, the parable of the lost coin. And often think, we think of searching out God. You know, we have this concept of we're, you're going for God. But I can tell you, God is searching out you. God is searching out about you. You know, you read that parable, the parable of the lost coin. I think it might be in Matthew. I might be wrong. But he, the extent that he went to look for this lost coin was showing the incredible value that he has on every single person. And by sending his son Jesus, he went to an extreme to search us out. He sowed his son in order to reap a harvest. And we're the harvest. Amen? In sowing a life, he reaped us. That's his reward. We are his reward when we say yes to him. I know this is amazing truth. When we come, he says, yes, come home like the prodigal. Puts his arm around you, dusts you down. But you have to come. And that's the thing. You have to come. It's an important point. We have to come. He doesn't take us by force. But he begins to reveal his hand. And he says, come closer. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. I will show you amazing things. And I'll speak into your situation may not change absolutely everything around you, but I tell you, when the voice of God speaks into your heart about something, there's nothing more precious on the face of this planet. In Jesus' name, God bless you all. Bless the Lord. Well, I was blessed yesterday. These guys, I don't know exactly who was there, went out on the street. And... Uh, 
they just sit around I've not been with you but I, I, this is what I see they sit around in the cafeteria upstairs what's it the food hall yeah and downstairs on the benches on the benches and just allow God to bring people to them just tell them what happened yeah, so what we do, we, we, we kind of, um, we, we meet up, we congregate upstairs in the food court, and, um, and, and I believe God has given me this strategy that we, we must honour people, we honour everyone. You know, we haven't got to get in people's faces in order to connect with people. We've simply got to be all real and authentic and just, um, just love people where they're at, you see. God doesn't want us to leave discouraged, because a lot of often discouragement often comes because we have this kind of sense of that we're kind of keeping the chart or we're kind of a performance-based or we're result-minded on things, we get disappointed. But God wants us just to love people out of the love that he's given us. And when we realize that, then we always, it's a privilege to love people. Now, you can live like that. It's a privilege to love people. People live life out the wrong way. They think it's all about them getting. But the Christian life, is a life all about giving. And it's a privileged existence. Amen? So based upon that, we just wanted to love people and see what happened. And often the gospel comes out of that. So we just sit downstairs, we just chat to people, strike a conversation up, and just engage with them. And often they will speak to us about what's going on or what's going on. You talk about the weather or something like that. But you give them your time. And more often than not, Something will come around which you can actually share the love of God. You can share Jesus with these people. You can share the gospel. You know, it may not be the full package that we all like to expect. We like, you know, the ABCs of salvation. Do you know what I mean? It's not always like that. Sometimes it's just like, God bless you. You know, you've had a good day. Because I've met you and it's been really good. Do you know what I mean? You know, and it's the simple things. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not always them big things. But if you can be a blessing to someone and you can show that love to someone, then often that creates space for the gospel to come into this, that person's heart and life. So we've been very blessed, you know, because it, it, it's been quite... It's, I think the more you're free and the more you're relaxed and the more you can just enjoy God, the easier it becomes. Because the more tense you are, it, often it works against you. You've just got to learn to enjoy Jesus in everything. 